Hello and welcome to Queering Eve, a spoiler-free-ish podcast about the TV show Killing Eve made by some queers. Hi, I'm Tamara and I'm the one who finally understands why all the American recipes ask for kosher salt. And that's because sea salt is incredibly expensive in America. What? And what's kosher salt? I don't know exactly. Like, it's rock salt, but something, something. Oh, I thought it's just salt that's kosher. No, Mm. no, no, no. I also thought that, but it doesn't have anything to do with that. Uh At least I don't think so. What? I know. (laughs) Anyway, that's what I learned. Okay. Thank you for sharing. (laughs) Hi, I'm Nina, and I'm the one who grew one strawberry (laughs) that I'm going to eat after we finish recording. Nina told me not to buy strawberries at the market this week because we have this one strawberry that I can eat. Because it wouldn't feel that special, our first strawberry. (laughs) I'm a very proud mother. Hi, I'm Nea, and I'm the one who went to a wedding for the first time in their life yesterday. Woo! Woohoo! Yes! Pandemic wedding. What <laughs> an experience. <laughs> yeah, a backyard pandemic only family and two friends wedding. <laughs> we were the two friends. We are very special. <laughs> it was a queer wedding, of course, which is the correct first wedding to go to. <laughs> and now Nea really wants to get married, so if there are any candidates, uh, write to us. Our Instagram <laughs> DMs are open to anyone. Okie dokie. So today, I will tell you what happened in the (laughs) Season 3, Episode 2 of Killing Eve. We're not allowed to contribute. (laughs) (laughs) Just Tamara today, pals. Just shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Season 3, Episode 2 of Killing Eve, titled Management Sucks, was written by Anna Jordan, who didn't do anything else on IMDb. She has like two other credits. And then it was directed by our friend Terry McDonough. McDonough. Terry McDonough. McD. <laughs> McD. <laughs> Who directed the previous episode. We start the episode in a really sad place, which is Kenny's funeral. I thought you were going to say a pub. <laughs> <laughs> So the first scene is a fun shot of Eve standing in the rain. I mean, she's under a roof, but it's raining. and Of course it is. It's a funeral. <laughs> and a bus with a text saying, worry, grief, regret, let it go, let it all go, passes by, which... What is this an ad for? Antidepressants? I don't know. <laughs> um, maybe it's a book. like a self-help book Um, anyway this is something that I guess we're gonna see a lot of in this season 
like we did the parallels in the previous season. And I think it's super fun. Like in the previous episode, how we kept seeing stuff throwing back to Eve and Villanelle's relationship. And now Eve is seeing this thing that she also wouldn't probably notice if she wasn't grieving. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that's called in storytelling, but <laughs> I think it's fun. Man, I wonder what that's called. Is that is that even symbolism? Like... Oh, God. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but I feel it's also like not. I mean, it probably has some name in storytelling, but it's also a human experience because once you're experiencing something, you notice this thing around you more. Yeah, so, of course. Okay, and while Eve is doing that and trying and failing to smoke a cigarette, a man <laughs> comes to talk to her. This man is called Jamie, which we only learn a bit later, but... A man is coming to explain how to smoke. Yes, a man is coming to explain how to smoke, and he's very condescending and annoying. And also Eve thinks that he's trying to flirt with her, and also it's I also can't tell. Anyway, Eve calls him a dick and goes inside. Inside, we see that Kenneth Alfred Stoughton was <laughs> born in 1997, which <laughs> is upsetting because he was a baby. And also, yeah. that's the year my sister was born in. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> mm. Yeah, he was a baby. Yeah. He was 23. Yeah. Truly a child. Yeah. I did not enjoy seeing that someone was born after me and then died. <laughs> that feels wrong. It does. At this wake, Constantine is also there. Mm -hmm. And he Why? is drinking... What? Why did he care about Kenny? He cares about Carolyn. I mean, he did live with him for a while there. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they interacted. From the conversation that Constantine attempts to have with Eve... We learned that the official story is that Kenny committed suicide, which, yeah. of course, Eve at this stage, already pretty drunk, is very upset about and um, gets angry at Constantine for insinu insinuating that. She's, she does it very loudly. She does it very loudly, wants to scream about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, then Eve goes and talks to a character that we already saw in the previous episode and we at this point also don't know his name but whatever he is named bear so anyway eve goes talk to bear because she overhears that he was working with kenny and tries to get asks him about uh, how how kenny was doing at his job and then jamie joins them, introduce, introduces himself as head of Bitter Pill. Which, why? To flirt? <laughs> <laughs> and Eve is not impressed by that and suddenly has no more questions and <laughs> goes away. I yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah, he's like, if you want to talk about Kenny's work, talk to me. And she's like, leaves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then we go to the bathroom where we see the girl from Kenny's work crying, which... Makes sense. Yeah, I yes. think it's cool that she doesn't mind being interrupted by people coming in and <laughs> going out. She just keeps crying. I also think her. it's cool that someone at this wake is crying. Yeah. <laughs> Truly a, a lack of crying there. 
Um, Eve is the one that takes the toilet stall. And actually what she does, she takes Kenny's phone out. So we see that she has his phone. She can't unlock it because she doesn't know the password. But she turns the screen on and we see that (laughs) the background is a photo of Kenny in like a football outfit. So... I think Kenny is the last character in this show who would have himself as his background photo. Yes, but we had to have that so that we would know that it's Kenny's phone. <laughs> what if it was just like a football and uh, it, <laughs> we would like get the context that this is his phone because of how they kept on talking about how he's into football in the first episode. <laughs> they said it once. <laughs> Kept on talking about it. But I think the show doesn't um, trust that um, its viewers would figure something like that out. So we get a Kenny background. The third person that comes into this bathroom is Carolyn. And Carolyn is wearing a white coat. Why? (laughs) Because she's not grieving. She has no emotions. She's fine. As a statement. Okay. Oh, yeah, I guess. I mean, it's a good outfit. (laughs) Anyway, there's an awkward stare-off between... I mean, it's not a stare-off. It's an awkward situation between Caroline waiting for the toilet and Audrey crying and Audrey and Caroline looking at each other and then Caroline leaves. We then see some baby pictures of Kenny, which is adorable, and one of them is Kenny at his graduation of some part of his education and his mom is next to him leaning on his shoulder and smiling. Wow. Mm. I know. It's so... What? (laughs) What? (laughs) And then we meet Geraldine. So we... We're not informed of this before, but (laughs) Caroline actually has another child. Oh my god! Oh my god, this child is Geraldine, and I used to be really attracted to her, so now I was going in expecting to be really attracted to her, <laughs> but then I wasn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, yeah, I, sti- I still thought she was cute. I still find her yeah, cute. Yeah, she was. And we meet Geraldine when she comes to talk to Constantine, whom she knows, because when she was a child, one time... She was upset and sitting on the stairs and he came to her, told her his monster watch and taught her to swear in Russian. Yeah, I thought this scene was forced. Yes. It's like she just starts, like at first he seems like a stranger to her, but she just starts talking to him about Carolyn's dinners, just like... (sighs) Of course, he would know what Carolyn's dinners are like, right? And then she's like, oh, you were at one. Just, yeah, oh, I, what I a feel transition. that way. I feel that way about all of her scenes. So this one doesn't even stick out. <laughs> yeah. um, I do feel I just, that this is her personality. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, yeah. I think it is her personality. I don't care for it. <laughs> it's not <laughs> fun TV. Yeah, it improves a little because Carolyn joins the conversation and 
Carolyn generally improves the scenes she's in. Yeah, she wants Geraldine to change the music. <laughs> yeah, and she tries to say something like profound to her, and she's like, today is not about pretending not to be sad. And Carolyn's just like, couldn't we be sad and listen to good music? Which, yeah. Yeah. By this point, Eve is very drunk, and when Carolyn attempts to talk to her, and also says for pretense sake that she does think that Kenny jumped, Eve screams, no, <laughs> at her. And there's this shot of everyone comically turning around to look at them, which is <laughs> totally fake. That would never of happen. <laughs> if someone makes a scene, you awkwardly glance in their direction and then start pretending like you didn't yep. see anything. Yep. <laughs> Especially at a wake. Yeah. And also we learn the, in this scene that apparently Eve's thing when she gets drunk is that she forgets how doors work and yeah. she just cannot open them. This is yeah. the second time it happens to her and she yeah. just can't do it. I lo- yeah, I love it. You know, you have angry drunks and sad drunks and... Can't open door drunks. Can't open door drunks, <laughs> aka Eve, yes. <laughs> and also Eve, be- just before she finally manages to open this door and leave, she does this tiny wave that's so adorable (laughs) I mean it's like sassy I guess (laughs) if that's the correct word Um, and it's uh, cute and then Caroline to explain this away says that Eve did not like the buffet sure Caroline I I miss Kenny I'm not okay with this yep I don't know this Wake did not help me deal with my grief. Mm. Oh yeah, that is that is true. It was not helpful. It was not fun. It was only exhausting. Yeah. But now we go to a place that's a lot more fun. We are again in Barcelona. Yeah, it's truly like lifted a weight off my shoulders. That's how it (laughs) felt like when we changed the scene. Yes, we see Villanelle that comes into her beautiful new apartment that is inspired by Islamic architecture. I say inspired because I googled it and apparently the part of Spain where Barcelona is was only under the Islamic rule for a, ve- for a very short time. Mm. So I'm guessing that there are no like apartments like that mm. that were made in that time. Yeah, uh, but it's very beautiful. It has chandeliers. It has pillars. It has beautiful wallpaper. She tries the water pressure. The water pressure is good. It has round windows. Mm-hmm. It has doors, like glass doors to the outside and did you mention the ceiling? I didn't. And it has a, what would I, how would I even describe it? The ceiling is beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) Like a decorated, beautiful ceiling. And then the doors to the outside and Villanelle opens the doors and yells and I yell as well. (laughs) And it's like beautiful steps outside and plants and yeah, it's just amazing. What, I don't know, the like the shot from outside 
when I saw it, I was like, um, yes, this is in Barcelona. Yeah. It feels yeah. like, to me, this apartment feels a bit, like, too much. And I don't think I could live in it. But, oh my God. I, like, I do think it's so gorgeous. And I just want to, like, soak in its beauty. Mm. I also would not permanently live in it. But having a vacation in a mm-hmm, place like mm-hmm. this. Wow. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I would live in it. I'm not stupid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, next, Villanelle and Dasha are outside in a cafe slash restaurant. Villanelle tells Dasha that she would look 10 years younger if she stopped smoking. And Dasha does not understand why she would want to look 10 years younger, which I, really I like. like that. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, why? Very good. Yeah. Although smoking is disgusting and you yeah, should stop. Yeah, she should stop smoking, <laughs> but, but not, not for not that. For that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And next, Nina, do you want to narrate this? Your favorite scene. (laughs) Yeah, so (laughs) Villanelle gives the gay look to a girl walking by and it is everything to me. And then she says, this neighborhood is nice. (laughs) She says, this neighborhood is nice. Oh, sorry, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's so good. <laughs> it just, she does the look so well. And yeah. I love the girl's reaction. It just, the exact oh, yeah, reaction totally you have. Back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Dasha gives Villanelle some dating advice, which is, <laughs> yeah. you can fuck, but you can't fall in love. And it's impossible for you to sit on a sofa with someone because of your job. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Which is sad because all Villanelle wants is someone to watch movies with and presumably you do sit on a sofa with someone while doing so. Mm -hmm. I guess she's only allowed to do it at the cinema. Mm. Possibly. But Villanelle feels like she doesn't need this advice because she dealt with it. She dealt with it. She dealt with it. It being her love for Eve, of course. Yep. And then they talk a little bit about Villanelle's last murder where she created an homage homage to Dasha. And now I want to complain. Okay. So I already talked about this in the previous episode, but it wasn't so elaborate and it's probably not going to make the cut. Villanelle says that she thought that the paprika was fun. And then Dasha says that she would have gone with turmeric instead. And... I hate Dasha's accent so much. It's because her English is perfect. She is completely fluent. She knows the fucking word for turmeric. Right. I mean, I guess it's different from person to person what you find hard. But I feel like turmeric is not a word that you know when your Russian is basic. And anyway, her Russian is... English and she has this completely she's completely fluent in English except she doesn't know the first thing that you learn when you learn English so the the articles and she has this extremely heavy accent and I just mm-hmm. do not believe that someone that good at English would do those two things I feel you I am pretty sure this show did not hire an accent consultant and most of the bigger characters had to do an accent and were just left to their own devices to do their best. And this actress did not 
But I think the problem here isn't so much the accent, but the writing with her English being perfect and then leaving out articles, like Tamara said. Possibly. And now we get to the point in the conversation that's actually relevant to the plot. And we (laughs) learn that Villanelle will have to oversee a new recruit to show that she has good judgment. And Villanelle, at the mere thought of showing (laughs) someone she has good judgment, (laughs) she wants to cry. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Surely there's nothing she hates more than good judgment, I feel like. (laughs) Anyway, we already see that this is going not great. (laughs) This is not going to go great. Back in London, Carolyn Can I interrupt marches. You? Yes, of course. Okay. Next, we cut to MI6. And I think on my previous viewing of, of this season, this was the moment I realized the importance of colors in this TV show. <laughs> or maybe I did it before. and But this is like definitely a moment that stayed with me. And because I think the mood change could not be bigger than between these two scenes. Because we have Villanelle thriving in Barcelona. Okay, she did just get like annoying news, but she is beautiful. She just moved somewhere great. Her apartment is everything she asked for. And on the other hand... MI6 looks as depressing as always, but we also have the added depressing setting of Kenny just having died and Caroline not dealing with it. And this I did is... really love the thing with her blouse. Mm. I thought it was perfect for conveying how she's doing, but also I did love how she was told that her blouse is buttoned wrong and of course she's not gonna be like oh no I fucked up I am mourning my son's death Uh, but she says that she likes it like that and it just feels very Regina George (laughs) it also just feels very Carolyn I think yeah this this was someone who really got Carolyn who wrote this line (laughs) (laughs) anyway let's hear about how Carolyn is fine (laughs) yes Carolyn walks into their daily or weekly or whatever meeting and everyone is very surprised to see her of course especially Paul who is under the table yes why was Paul Paul on the floor what was he doing no one seems to notice it everyone's just like Paul's just on the floor again you know how he does there is like a million plausible explanations I just did really enjoy this I love it it was a good detail and also the rest of the scene is some of my favorite writing of this show. The scene is Paul and Carolyn fighting for who's in charge, who has the upper hand in this situation. And it's just both of them talking, talking at the at same, the same time. time. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's not just for a second like we just did here, but they yeah. keep on doing it. Neither of them wants to give up. <laughs> they, they like finished some sentences and they do it again and again and I really like it I don't know I have a lot of feelings about 
talking, interrupting, and speaking over others. <laughs> I know like the effort it takes to keep talking while someone else is also talking. So I know that like that Paul and Carolyn both have practiced this and know <laughs> how to do it because they know that the other person will not then like ask them to share their part and like as an equal, you know. But I here know. I don't even think that each of them had any content they had to say. Uh -huh. It's just who is going to be the one moderating and like is in charge of this meeting. It's perfect. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to express exactly how I feel about it, but I really like it. And then they do this for three or four times, and then Paul's like, let's take five. <laughs> what they take five for is actually for Paul to be very kind and understanding and supportive towards Carolyn, which I thought was super nice because... I really like it when, even if two characters don't like each other, if in certain situations they will still like be decent to each other in a way that you would be to every every human being. And I just really enjoyed seeing that happen. Yeah, I mean, he is giving her very good advice, yeah. but that doesn't usually feel very helpful when the person saying it is someone you're competing against and who you feel is taking over your job, does it? I'm... Like, I can understand this from Caroline's perspective not meaning much. But who else would give her this advice if not oh, Paul? she doesn't want advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, but she needs it. <laughs> I agree, I agree. And I like that this uh, scene proved my point about Carolyn not being someone who uses sick days. Like, uh, this feels yeah. <laughs> yeah. similar. Yeah. Anyway, I personally feel like this was a very nice scene that I enjoyed. <laughs> Next, Constantine sits in a car and he is reporting to some person that's a new person every week. I love the idea of this being the same person that kind of morphs into someone else <laughs> okay okay adding some fantasy element to it cool yeah. cool cool <laughs> i guess uh, constantine's code name is jeffrey which is hilarious yeah oh jeffrey <laughs> he wrote the, the episode <laughs> <laughs> jeremy yeah, jeremy. Uh, <laughs> anyway the 12 want him to stay in London and he is not impressed to say the least. <laughs> yeah, they tell him that he has to stay to keep an eye on Carolyn and also <laughs> he the whole time he's complaining about how he doesn't like that it's a new person every week and he has to explain everything from the beginning and he does not explain a <laughs> single thing. He does not say anything. Nope. He just gets told that he's staying in London. And then he's told to treat this extended time in London as a working holiday, which he thinks it's, is offensive because for a holiday you need sunshine. I also think this is offensive from the perspective of workers' rights. Yes. Like an employer telling you, just think of oh, your work yeah, as yeah. a holiday of, instead of actually <laughs> getting a holiday. Now we have proof yeah. that the 12 really is evil. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, 
then we switched to Eve, still working at her job in the restaurant, where Carolyn visits her. Carolyn is basically there to try to convince Eve to start working for her again, and Eve will not take Carolyn's bullshit. And Carolyn tells Eve that, of course, she knows that Kenny didn't kill himself, but she needs to be discreet about researching this. And also, she tries to pull Eve back in by telling her that Villanelle is working again. I have no idea how they know this by the paprika murder but whatever and eve is just not not here for it just nope yeah i what i enjoyed about this scene is how carolyn starts this off by wanting to tell a bit of her backstory about how she grew up on a farm something 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 but eve does not allow it um which i am grateful for i feel like she feels the audience in that, wow, every story we hear about Carolyn's family is awful. We do not want to know (laughs) more. (laughs) So thanks, Eve. Also, when Eve walks out, she's drinking something. It's Mm Coca-Cola. And for some reason, Carolyn feels the need to comment something like, Thirsty work, I imagine. <laughs> and Eve just fucking throws the Coca-Cola on the ground. Oh, I thought you were gonna make a comparison, a parallel from this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Which is that in the scene where Villanelle is looking at her new apartment, she's drinking a Fanta. <laughs> yes. Oh, right. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I feel... What is this tactic that Carolyn is employing a lot, uh, very often, where she would start with some story that has nothing to do with anything to get something out of people? I don't know what, what this is called. What, what An is this? An icebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, if I understand this right, Carolyn is trying to get Eve... To work for her, like, off the record on Kenny's death. And that's really, like, (laughs) brave of her to just start doing her illegal bullshit right away again. (laughs) I mean, it's what she does. Yeah, I know. (laughs) And, like, she just has this Villanelle connection there. To dangle in front of. Yeah, like, it's like the carrot. Mm-hmm. And she the does carrot. Not... <laughs> <laughs> I get it, but yeah. yes, and she doesn't even make an effort to connect the two in any kind yeah. of way. Like she's just like, I mean, usually there would be no need. Yeah, he would just <laughs> yeah. like find a little hint of Villanelle and be like, "I'm there." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, she's basically. Allowing the possibility that Eve just interprets this however she wants. So it would be like, oh, so I get to work with Villanelle, I guess. (laughs) And you're financing this? Cool. So, yeah, I gotta say I'm not sure what Carolyn thought would happen (laughs) here. But what happens is Eve tells her to fuck off and then vomits. Yeah. While this is happening, Dasha is still having a conversation with Villanelle. No, it's a new conversation. It's a new conversation, but (laughs) I guess they just moved, changed the outfits and continue talking. Yes. (laughs) Dasha is now telling Villanelle that she is going to have to guide a a guy named Felix. 
and she is telling Villanelle how to guide someone, how to be a manager, quote unquote, you encourage him, tell him he's great, say, I know you can do it. And mm-hmm. then says that management is watching someone do a job worse than you. And here, someone on Tumblr did the work for me <laughs> because um, there was this gift set of this scene parallel to the scene where Eve kills Raymond, where Villanelle is using this exact uh, type of guidance on so she's Eve. been a mentor before she just has to care about her mentee <laughs> exactly she is uh, she was encouraging eve she was telling her she's doing great um i think she even said something along the lies- lines i know you can do it and i just think this is magical that they did this <laughs> <laughs> this scene <laughs> well what they also did is have Dasha tell Villanelle that management is basically telling someone who is doing badly how great they are and that they can do it and you believe in them. And then Villanelle being like, I don't know about this. And Dasha being like, I believe in you, you're great, you can do it. (laughs) Which was wonderful. But I also just want to say like, Specifically the quote, management is not easy. It's watching someone do a job worse than you. If this is your thinking, then you are a very bad manager. Exactly. You are doing such a terrible job. Like, you were the one who sucks, not the person that works for you. Like, yeah. it, this, this, for some reason, like, upsets me. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's too often in life. Yeah, and I'm not even sure that the show is telling us that they both suck. (laughs) I mean, mean, they're definitely saying that about Villanelle. Yeah, I mean, Villanelle is saying that about Villanelle. (laughs) (laughs) I, (laughs) I know the feeling of, like, when you feel like, why do I have to make someone else do this when I could do it better and I want it to be done well and then I will just have to fix it if they do it badly. But when you have this thought, just remember that the problem is you. Mm. Good tip. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Eve is in a pub and she is looking at Kenny's phone, trying to unlock it and she gets a call. And then some pretty aggressive texts telling her to stop being a dumbass and fucking answer the phone call. And this phone call is just people from Bitter Pill telling her to bring in this phone, Eve. Bring it in. What you gonna do with it? You can't unlock it. Bring it to us. I remember the first time I was watching this when the phone just starts ringing and then she gets these texts that are clearly addressed to her. That was scary. I really liked it. It is a scary movie kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I also love the transition from this kind of scary scene to a hilarious scene of their telling Eve that they didn't actually know that it was her who had the phone. They just kind of guessed that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. They are trying to get the phone from her and she will only give it if she also gets... Kenny's files in exchange and those files are super super encrypted the only thing that I wrote down for this scene was that 
Uh, Kenny is described as a triple threat because he worked at MI6, is a whiz online, and has integrity. And I love those three things <laughs> yeah. being a triple threat. <laughs> I do love that too. <laughs> also, the reason Eve decided to go to the bitter pill anyway is because after she hangs up, I think it's after she hangs up, they send her more texts that are like, you know, this is important. That's please. what convinces her. <laughs> no, there's another one that says, please. And I think <laughs> yeah. that's what convinced her. She was like, oh, finally, they said the magic word. Now I'll go. <laughs> Next, let's go abroad. We are in a new location. This time it is France, Côte d'Azur. Anyone been there? No. 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 <laughs> Opinions? I have none. Zero. Yeah, the name sounds nice. <laughs> it sounds um, expensive. Yeah, possibly. I don't That's know how big of opinion. an area that is. Um, we meet Felix. Also, Villanelle meets Felix. <laughs> Felix is 10, or actually he is <laughs> 19, and he is tough. <laughs> yeah. And he has five big brothers and has killed loads of times. <laughs> I wrote all this down in, like, one line, as if this is his dating profile. <laughs> he likes 19, five big is... brothers killed loads of times. That is his dating profile. <laughs> he killed many people because one of them was mean to his boyfriend, uh, but also all of these people were in one car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, Villanelle... <laughs> is very bored with everything he is saying. She's not impressed until he mentions that he killed his bully's dance teacher. That gets her attention. <laughs> and grandma. Yeah. And yeah, especially the dance teacher. Yes. Yeah, that's and a little bit intriguing. <laughs> I really liked when Villanelle says, just so you know, I'm kind of a big deal in this industry. Yes, it's one of the iconic quotes. I don't know why that wasn't the title of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, at this point, Villanelle has warmed up a little to this Felix, and she is actually giving him some advice. It's nice, I think this is the only nice thing Villanelle says to him, that he should... Take no shit from his employers. Yeah, that he should demand first-class hotels. Not shitty ones. Yes. Yeah, she um, gives him some good advice. So Felix tells Villanelle that his boyfriend didn't really appreciate this murder he did. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> How he, disappointing. Yeah, you know. Sucks when that happens. You know when you murder eight people for someone and they don't even thank you? Mm, I th <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I think Villanelle can... Villanelle that. actually does relate to him. Yeah, then Felix is like, when you love somebody and they don't love you back, it's worse than... I don't know what it's worse than, but it's... And Villanelle says, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Back in London, Constantine runs into Geraldine. Or Geraldine runs into Constantine, whichever way you want to look at it. When I watched this episode for the first time, I totally just saw this scene as them bumping into each other. It's only now 
when I knew what was happening that I even watched closely enough to see that Constantine was literally waiting for her and then walked in like straight into her. For me, it's not that part that I uh, didn't notice, but him uh, giving her the uh, magnet, that's what felt like very spontaneous to me when I first watched it. And then now seems very calculated, obviously. So what did you think was happening the first time? Like he walked into her, like he wanted to talk to her. Yeah, I don't, I didn't. But for what reason? I don't know. Just like, (laughs) I didn't know what the show was planning here, what they were trying to do with them. Get them to have an affair. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) No. A line that Geraldine has in this conversation is, I get overburdened with other people's emotions and she calls herself hyper-empathic. And I found this so annoying because I have the same problem, but the way she says it, it's so annoying. Yeah, yeah. It's not that special. I I mean, yeah. I also can tell people's emotions, blah, blah, blah. But I hate it when people self-identify as empaths. You know they are bad people when they do this. Yeah, yeah. People are like... That's literally like a thing. They like there's groups on Facebook for empaths. Like I'm someone who feels other people's emotions. That's such a regular human experience. A very popular person who identified as an empath and kept on mentioning it was or is Shane Dawson. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Someone who has literally only shown qualities that point to something else (laughs) not that (laughs) but yeah it seems that so far this is Geraldine's only personality trait (laughs) um, being someone who thinks of herself as very emotionally intelligent which to be fair if you did grow up with Carolyn (laughs) I I can get that (laughs) I see I see yeah that's a good point yeah you, you have a point. So next, we talk a little bit about age-appropriate gifts. So we find out that Irina is too old for magnets, but Geraldine is not. <laughs> How old is Irina at this point? <laughs> Still 12. <laughs> I think it's a very fascinating opinion to have that someone is too old for magnets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, Geraldine is very touched and I don't get it. Next. Back in France. Clowns. clowns. <laughs> it is clowns. To get to their target, Villanelle and Felix dress up as clowns because their target is having a rich person's birthday party for their child that's exactly what it is yeah (laughs) and Villanelle could not care less about doing a good job (laughs) nope um I liked this setting of like the whole party and the clowns and the face paint and everything it felt like the colorfulness of the Villanelle scenes Mm. in this episode taken to the absurd yeah (laughs) yeah I liked that. The contrast was huge in this episode. While Villanelle is pretending to be a clown, one of the things she says to one of the kids is, in French, uh, life is shit. 
get used to it. Also in helium enhanced voice. Yes, <laughs> in helium enhanced voice. Recently I learned that helium is a very precious commodity that we ha- we use for some really important stuff in medicine and superconductivity. Yes, but it's being used as like an entertainment thingy because money. And we're just using way too much of it and we're gonna run out in like no, 15 years or something. No, then I won't have a job. All <laughs> I know is how to do MRI stuff. No! <laughs> That's I what it. a YouTube video told me. I did oh not go double check it. I hate it. Thanks, but... I have to learn something else, some other skills now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I have some balloon-related questions. Okay. Cool. So, go ahead. Okay, obviously they brought a helium tank, but also you don't make balloon animals with helium. Yep. <laughs> like, for many reasons, you, like, you, you don't. Right. So yeah. why did they yeah. have the helium? They it's are not, not professionals. This is not their actual <laughs> job. <laughs> well, because my second question is, who did make the balloon animals that we did see? Did Felix, mm. Felix. learn to do it? Did Felix actually <laughs> learn to do it? Felix I feel prepared like, yes. for that part of the job, not so much the killing part. <laughs> <laughs> After standing there for a bit and talking to children in ways you should usually not talk to children, mm-hmm. <laughs> Villanelle tells Felix to go after the target and do it clean and clinical and stick to the plan. And Felix did not follow it. He is taking way too long to come out, which I assume is like a minute. (laughs) And Villanelle decides to follow him inside into the house that is very much like our villain's house from the previous season. Yes, Mm -hmm. I also had that one. Maybe they filmed in the same. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's possibly the same place. She finds Felix and their target's still alive. Felix is trying to murder him by smashing this guy's <gasps> face into the floor. It's horrifying. I hate it's it. It's horrifying. He explained that... What does he explain? I anyway, improvised. Yes, he improvised. And Villanelle is not impressed. He She shoots the target and then also Felix. Because management sucks. Yep. Yeah, that's that's the reason here. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, I liked it. Good yes. stuff. Yes. Rest in peace, Felix. Rest in peace. Your ex-boyfriend will not miss you. <laughs> 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 Back at the bitter pill offices, Eve, Jamie and Bear are looking at the photos they got from Kenny's phone which is of Kenny and Audrey. They look as if they are dating, which they were, we learn. Audrey is another co-worker, so the one that was crying in the toilet. Yeah, and I love the photos. They look so cute. And Kenny actually looks really happy. Yeah, I loved those photos. They were very cute. Jamie is a bit less sentimental about it and says that he is happy that Kenny was getting some before he died. (laughs) Yeah, and he's like, what? And he's like, it's good to know. (laughs) Yeah, it's good to know. Also, the photos are the only thing that they have managed to recover (laughs) from the phone. Everything else will take a few days. So, you know, but just the photos they could get, 
The rest will take a few days. Makes sense. Yeah, you know, photos take up the least amount of space. <laughs> no, it's just the other stuff is encrypted. Yeah. Okay. The, uh, the... And those are the newest photos, so he didn't have time to encrypt them. <laughs> <laughs> so Eve is like, well, if it's gonna take a few days, then in the meantime, give me this thumb drive that has the data from Kenny's computer. But this is also not possible because Kenny had this in his pocket when he died. So actually the police has this thumb drive, which is unfortunate. Yeah, so uh, so it turns out Jamie lied to Eve and she tries to leave in a huff. She takes the phone and is leaving and then... He just nags her some more. It's the same old, same <laughs> yeah. old. Like he, he tells her like, Oh, because, you know, it's never going to be solved without you. And it's just like, all they have to do to get her to cooperate is to be like, oh, but you know, Kenny died, right? And we are trying, like, this is important, please. Don't you want this to be solved? And she's just like, okay, let's do it. Yes, Jamie here is employing some really obvious manipulation moves that are not needed (laughs) not needed exactly (laughs) next we see carolyn talking to audrey carolyn shows how good she is at talking about her feelings by going like what i'm keen to ascertain (laughs) what i mean do you think kenny was happy (laughs) audrey says that as a, as an answer to whether Kenny was happy or not, that Kenny used to sing in the loo, mostly S Club 7, which I googled, and this is some British pop group. And also says that he really liked his job, but that he did miss Carolyn because she was always tough on him. Yeah, I... Mm, there's some stuff about, like... Carolyn saying she was too hard on him and Audrey thinking that it's good because of her own situation and I don't care for it. Like, if she really loved and had known Kenny, she would know that the way Carolyn was with him wasn't good. Also, Audrey says that her parents always told her that she's brilliant at everything and that's why she spent four years trying to be an artist despite having no talent, which sounds like a fake story. But There's... also much better than whatever Kenny had. <laughs> yeah, but so Audrey is trying to say that like it's, you know, tough and mean parent is actually good. And I strongly disagree. <laughs> but also like the thing that she says is fake, like... Yeah. No one's ever been like, my parents are too supportive. I wish they were meaner. <laughs> I'm understanding that as her being a 20-year-old who is terrified of this strict lady and is trying to oh, yeah. like, oh, good. Okay, <laughs> be that's nice a good to her. Insert, yeah. um, I mean, that's... inserted interpretation. I do find Audrey's behavior, and I can't explain why exactly, but I find it a bit suspicious in a way where I almost like she is one of the people that I think might have killed Kenny Mm -hmm. 
not the only one, but she is like a strong contestant <laughs> for I it. I get that because she is behaving quite oddly and she does seem quite mysterious. Like we just found out about her dating Kenny and stuff. Uh, there's a lot we don't know. So yeah, obviously she is a suspect, right? Mm-hmm. Who are your suspects currently? For me, it's Audrey, Geraldine, and Constantine. Interesting. For me, is I guess, Audrey, Constantine, and also just a random person for that the 12 hired. So mm-hmm. someone we don't know. Yeah. But not Villanelle? No, not Villanelle. Because Villanelle is in Spain. <laughs> so this scene with Audrey ends with Carolyn telling Audrey not to be embarrassed of her emotions and that she can be emotional in public also and all of that and let's see if she takes any of her own advice. I don't think she plans to. I think she should have filmed that and given the footage to Geraldine so that Geraldine can watch (laughs) that at night and feel better. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think what Carolyn did here was give Audrey the task of processing Carolyn's feelings for her. Oh my god, you're right. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, there's a manager. (laughs) 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 So let's talk about one of my favorite scenes. Let's Let's, go to the car. This is one of your favorite scenes. Interesting. Carolyn is sitting... In a garage of her workplace, in a car, and she's listening to Dido's Lament by Henry Purcell. Mo, her assistant, comes to the car and is very awkward about it, but he wants to talk to her. And asks her if she's going to come into work. And she says that she won't because there's no point, because she won't be actually allowed to do any work. Um, but on the other hand, she also can't go home because her daughter is there and she wants to talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yep. And she does think that she can just sit there because she has her sandwiches. And then she starts a monologue that sounds as if she's talking about herself, but of course she is not. She contemplates Dido's death. She says, what a terrible death, dying of grief as Dido did when she was abandoned by Aeneas. And I guess she's talking about herself. She isn't talking about herself that literally. At least that's not how I'm taking it. Like, she's not saying she's the one who's about to die of grief, I don't think. But it's like, of course, when she starts talking and she says, what a way to go, what a terrible death. It seems like she's talking about Kenny and then I actually really like this part, how she deflects and explains she's actually talking about Dido and Mo is like, oh, lol, of course, <laughs> she wasn't talking about something real. But I it's... also think it's so brave of the writer of this episode to have written Mo's dialogue as, oh, <laughs> Lol. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But you know, so that's that's like a joke that's there. That I mean, also like kind of oh, how tragically incapable of like processing feelings she is. But if you think about it, it's obvious that like the reason she is 
sitting in her car and listening to a piece that is about death is because her son just died. She's thinking about death and she is thinking about his death, but like, she's not gonna, you know, just talk about it to Mo. Um, but I just thought in this scene that this, the music was incorporated so well. This show is good at music. But I also mean not just that the music was there, but also the way they talk about it, because I don't know, I've never heard this piece before, but it's like obvious when she starts talking about it that that she's talking about the music she's listening to, that that's like about Dido and Aeneas. But also it's, I don't know a lot about classical music and I don't think I had heard this piece before the show. But it's just, it's so good and it's so fitting and it just emphasizes her emotions so well and her acting is beautiful. It was a really good scene, yeah. Yeah, I thought this was an example of good writing and directing. Mm-hmm. Dear Tamara, do you know the piece? I, I'm pretty it. sure I heard of it, but I also don't think I ever actually listened to it. Because it's, um, I think it's like an opera, or at least it's a vocal oh. piece. Oh. But it's like a Baroque one, so those are not um, performed a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm. Then we have more of just devastating Carolyn scenes when Eve comes to Carolyn's place. Yes, Eve comes in. And Geraldine opens the door for her. And Eve wants to talk to Carolyn, which Carolyn agrees to, even though she is very obviously in a very bad place in that moment. And she tells Geraldine to, <laughs> why don't you go and do, your, <laughs> and do your thing where you close your eyes and breathe. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so Eve tells her that she has Kenny's phone and... Carolyn drinks. (laughs) Yes. And also she mentions the thumb drive that the police has. And then we have a zoom in on the magnet that, oh no, is actually a listening device. Yep. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Also, something that Carolyn says is, in the field when someone Mm -hmm. dies, they can fuel you in a good way. Are we supposed Mm. to think that this is, like, this relates to Bill's death? Did Bill's death fuel Eve? In a good way? How? Like, I just disagree with the premise of this statement. Yeah, yeah, of course. This is a statement of someone who believes in capitalism, where (laughs) doing your job is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And someone dying, if that improves your productivity, then it's a good thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then... We go to Villanelle's apartment where... So Villanelle enters, but also who is waiting for her? It's Constantine. Villanelle is extremely not happy to see Constantine as she still feels betrayed, of course. Yeah, she starts throwing things at him. She does, and then she punches him in the dick. (laughs) Well, before that, she yells that he can't come here without an invitation anymore. Which feels a, like a very vampire thing to say. 
Yes, but also it reminds us of how Constantine constantly was <laughs> getting into her place uninvited, yeah. and she was always annoyed by it. But this comment makes us think that actually she enjoyed that, and, yeah. or like at least didn't mind it, and she was just pretending to be annoyed uh, for their banter. And but now, now things she's have actually, changed. Things have changed. Yeah, we also get to see that Villanelle bought some dried flowers and that in this apartment she also has a piano <laughs> oh i did not see that it's like cool. in the background it yeah. is very yeah. important uh, for her <laughs> yeah. to decorate her place that way yeah then constantine also he says some stuff about dasha and mentions casually that i guess dasha also betrayed villanelle at some point yeah, he said after what she did to you which is very ominous yeah, so I for sure don't remember what it is. So. <laughs> uh, Constantine is offended that Villanelle trusts Dasha more than she does him. And Villanelle says that, yes, she actually does at this moment. She also tells Constantine that uh, they're making her a keeper and he doesn't seem to buy that. Yeah, yeah. It's not looking in general like they're super enthusiastic about <laughs> making her a keeper. Yeah, yeah, it does make Villanelle look pretty naive here. Huh. I mean, she's also not very enthusiastic about actually doing the job. <laughs> she just wants <laughs> yeah. the title. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Constantine he is here. Yeah. No, you Constantine is here with news. He tells Villanelle that Eve is alive and that he saw it with his own two eyes. I liked this reaction of Villanelle's like being a parallel to Eve's reaction to Villanelle being active again where Eve froze up and Villanelle kind of dissociates and I don't yeah. know it's just good to see yeah and she at first is not willing to believe that Eve is actually still alive also another thing that we learn in this scene that well Constantine insinuates that actually he never stopped working for the Twelve. He does not insinuate. He says it. <laughs> he says it he... in a way where you could also not believe him. And I don't because it doesn't okay. make any sense from what yeah, we doesn't. know about the show. <laughs> so, yeah, some thoughts. I barely like processed that that's what he said because I was very upset. Hung- yeah, like upset and focused on the fact that Villanelle asks him how do you know I'm back with the 12? Two minutes after she said that they're making her a keeper. (laughs) Yeah, so... Was he supposed to think that this is... She was, like, bragging about her Quidditch position? What? Villanelle. So we just, like, the, the timing of the scene doesn't make sense, so... It just confused me and I didn't follow. And then also, yeah, I'm sure that this, that Constantine never stopped working for the Twelve is something that is gonna be relevant plot-wise. But it also feels like the way this is filmed and edited and written, it makes it seem like a big plot reveal. Like we're supposed to be like... (gasps) Oh wow! And but those kind of moments are supposed to explain something, and this <laughs> confuses further. Nothing. It just confuses us further because we're just like, 
uh, nope, does, nope, that makes no sense. I get to, I just have to accept it. Which, you know, is not what I want from a plot twist. That's, like, yeah. the opposite of what I want from a plot <laughs> twist. Yeah, like, I could understand him working for the 12 longer than Villanelle knew, like, while they were freelancing and stuff, that he was mm -hmm. working for the 12, but not when Villanelle was supposed to kill him. Unless, of course, the obvious solution, which is the 12 just wants chaos. Wants chaos. <laughs> 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 I, <laughs> I hate it and also love it when you say that. Um, I have to say I'm happy <laughs> that they don't literally put this in as an explanation for all their, like, plot holes. <laughs> That's just what you're inserting. <laughs> Thank God, otherwise I would kill someone. <laughs> anyway, Constantine leaves and Villanelle kind of smiles and laughs, thinking about the fact that Eve is alive. <laughs> and then it ends. Let's go to Uti! This episode's Uti consists of five outfits. The first one is Barcelona. Mm -hmm. It's a floor-length dress in electric blue with a mm. flower pattern. It has long sleeves that is a combination of a leg of mutton and a bishop's sleeve. I just love how all the sleeves have names. That's wow. my favorite thing. And what a name it is. Yeah, exactly. I like those, these words mean nothing to me, but I love it yeah. when you say them. <laughs> Thank you. I, I had to Google that. I don't know that off the top of my head, but I love that I'm learning as I write oh. the notes for Uti. The dress is gathered from the knee down. And with the dress, she's also, she has this weaved over the shoulder bag. And she has a red flower band in her hair, which I think is beautiful. And then some white heeled slip-ons or sandals. Oh, and the dress itself is tied in the back with a one of those sewed-on belts. I gotta say, I don't actually like this outfit, but... It is one of those outfits where I look at them and I'm like, wow, this is why I love this show. Because it's just so extravagant and fun to look at. It just really fills me with some sort of joy. Yeah, I, I feel similarly. But I also want to just say I love how her hair is styled and I think it goes so well with the dress. Like, that's perfect. I really loved, I also don't love this dress, but I really love the colors that they chose yeah. in this mm -hmm, episode. Mm -hmm. I thought they were really thought through. I think this electric blue mm -hmm. really represents Barcelona mm -hmm. in some way. I don't mm -hmm. know why, but in my mind, it just makes sense that she's wearing these colors there. Yeah. And also the next ones were also yes. like very... Yes, totally Topical. Agree. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the next outfit is her pajamas, which are mustard colored with some white pattern and also black piping. And it's just a very classic pajamas ensemble with long pants and short sleeved pajama shirt. This is just another outfit where I just find it exciting. I just love seeing it. 
The third outfit is the one she's wearing in France. So it's a, a very different color palette. She's wearing a sky blue dress, which is very loose. One of those that actually are just not tailored at all, but they just flow freely from from the top down. Except this one is tied with a belt, a black belt. It's kind of a callback to season one, episode one in Tuscany, the dress that she steals from that guy's wife. God, I wrote down when I was, when we were watching the episode, I wrote down, this reminds me of an outfit from season one, but I can't remember which one. So thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Good times. So with this dress, she's wearing some minimal gold earrings which she wears a lot of, um, and I really like, because that's also my style at the moment. Hmm. I truly would never notice this, but I know this is her style because of Uti. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I have not noticed them a single time. Mm -hmm. I just know about it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And she's wearing black shoes that are those that are tied around the ankle. (laughs) Then the fourth outfit is, uh, is Clown. And that's all I have on it. I did not write down how she's dressed. But I have it in my mind, so I can still explain it if you want. I just saw that because it's such a costume that I really don't need to get into it. Okay, you don't need to, of course. It's really good. I remember when we were watching it for the first time, I said that I think she still looks hot. (laughs) Yep. It is quite an impressive get-up. It's definitely the most elaborate one she did for a job ever. Mm. I love it. And last but not least, we have another Barcelona outfit, which is a yellow and pink A-line dress. She ha- it's it's pink. a very Really? <laughs> On my computer I totally it remember pink. it as orange. But... I only remember it as orange. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a very strange yellow color. And again, maybe it just looked different on my computer, but to me it looked yellow, but very, a very earthy color almost, if that makes sense. And also a lot of it is pink because it has this very Mm -hmm. 60s pattern also. Yeah. yeah. The kind of looks almost like a mandala, I guess. And it's also actually quite an unusual cut because in the back, on the bottom part, it's actually gathered and it has a flounce sleeve, which I wrote down. I forgot what this means. Oh, I know. It's it's the ones that are just normal sleeve up to the middle of your forearm and then it flares out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a flounce <laughs> sleeve. And with that, she is wearing brown cowboy boots. Yes, she is. Amazing. (laughs) And the same bag that she had before. And also this dress has some really fun lining. It's really hard to see, but it's also like a very strong pattern. I think it's green, but I'm not sure. And she's wearing this pretty chunky gold bracelet and another set of minimal earrings. But these ones are silver. And for this, her hair is up in like a half bun, like half of her hair is up in a bun. I forgot to say that she, when she's in France, she also has her hair in a bun. Those are the five outfits. Which one was your favorite? 
my favorite was the last one. I really love it. I think it's so exciting. I love the 60s dress look and especially with those cowboy boots. I think it is such a great look. Um, it fits the location so well. I I love it. <laughs> I have to agree. I also love this this dress the most. It's just, it's sort of such an unexpected color but when mm -hmm. you see it it makes so much sense <laughs> and the boots are amazing it just it, we don't see the a-line that often on Villanelle so that was fun to see Naya my favorite was the clown outfit yeah. I <laughs> um, have nothing to say for myself <laughs> but it's great no like from the neck down and up to the ankles, the clown outfit is something I would wear. Like, the the pockets are a little too big. Like, the, if the pockets were smaller... What do you have against big pockets? You have a big phone. It's good. If the pockets weren't as wide... Okay. I would genuinely... I love the cut of the pants. I love the pattern of the pants. And... The shirt I don't love, but it's fine. I love suspenders. I feel like my style is already like 60% of the way to clown. Mm -hmm. So that's my choice. Good. Ooh. Now, let us rate the episode. Who wants to go first? Uh, I'll go first because I don't like my rating, so I can be, <laughs> <laughs> so I can get it over with. Um, I rate this episode blue is the warmest color because be of all the sex, no? <laughs> <laughs> um, because I was searching for something that's like depressing and also fun and colorful, like some of this and some of that and i feel like the movie is very like aesthetically pleasing the colors are great and it has that vibe and then the comic book is just gray it's gray like it's printed in color but it is because of the blue mostly hair, right? gray no the like hair. you would not remember but it's all in color it's just that the hair is the only thing that's blue Everything else is brown and gray and, like, yellow. It's disgusting, it's ugly, it's depressing. <laughs> and even the hair is, like, not a nice shade of blue, so... Huh. The way I remember it is that it's all black and white, except the hair is blue. But maybe that's Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> no, because I remembered it that way as well. And I <laughs> went, literally went to check before we started filming. Mm. Yeah. And that's my rating. Cool. I mean, I also don't love my rating, so I can go next <laughs> to like this. this is... Is, I feel like this is a theme for today's episode because mine is also not that great. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I'm rating it Carol, the movie, because I enjoy the aesthetics and I do like certain parts of it. Like, and I because of all the sex. <laughs> I enjoyed certain parts of it quite a lot, but mostly I just feel like it's kind of whatever, like, I'm not getting from it. I keep wanting more than I'm getting from it. I didn't choose the book because the book is just weird, and that's not the vibe I'm getting the book here. So much. 
<laughs> I know you do. <laughs> um, I, yeah, just, eh, what, okay, let's move on. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. Okay. I don't particularly like my rating because it's based solely on what the main theme of this episode is about, which is grief. Mm. And mm. I rate this episode A Single Man, mm. the mm. book, I guess, but also the movie by Christopher Isherwood, because that book is about grief. And I just thought it portrayed the grief that you can't really share with someone else in a really heartbreaking but be a beautiful way. And when I watched this episode, it really hit me how difficult it was for Carolyn to grieve, Ke to grieve Kenny. And that's what reminded me of that book instantly. So I that think that's is really good. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Game time. For this week's game, we will be discussing what our favorite characters would drink if they only had the choice between Coke and Fanta. And that's characters... the new gender binary. Yes, that's the new gender binary. And we will discuss this for Constantine, Carolyn, Kenny, and Dasha. Let's talk about Carolyn first. I feel like Carolyn would drink Santa just because of how she reacted to seeing Eve drink Coke. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine Carolyn drinking actually, like honestly either, but of especially course. Coke. So I would go for Fanta too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also 100% agree with that. I feel like Coke is seen as a real trashy food whereas food. Fanta food. isn't popular in a drink a real trashy drink whereas Fanta at this moment in time isn't popular enough for people to really have opinions on it so that's why yes. Carolyn would go with Fanta yes um I think Constantine would drink Pepsi <laughs> I'm that sorry for oh, I'm sorry for messing up this gender binary. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is just coming from me remembering when I was in Russia, like that there was more Pepsi. I don't know if this is a thing. Generally, <laughs> that's why I chose that. <laughs> sorry. So now let's play the game. Okay. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, yes, also, I agree that he would drink Coke. I cannot imagine drink him drinking Fanta. I don't know why. I, I think it's the color. I think <laughs> he's just a very dark man who wears dark clothes <laughs> and drinks dark... <laughs> dark I mean, drinks, except He usually vodka. drinks transparent drinks. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Constantine is a person who would have no qualms about drinking trashy drinks. So I can't see him drinking either. I think he would just prefer Coke for some reason. That's just, you know. It's because Coke is better than Fanta. Yeah, maybe that's the reason. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, who's next? Dasha. Dasha. Oof, that's a hard one. We don't know her well enough yet. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know why, but I imagine like this is coming from someone who does not smoke or has never and has never smoked, but I imagine that Coke goes better with cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that I was actually thinking she would choose Coke because Coke has caffeine and she prefers drugs to not drugs. <laughs> not in general. Just like I don't know, it didn't explain this well. No, I think you did. I understood you perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) I actually think that she would drink Fanta Mm -hmm. because I feel like she likes refreshing things. And for some reason, even though to me, Fanta is not more refreshing than Coke, but I feel like to her it would be, if that makes sense at all. Yeah, I can see that. And then we have our dead boy, Kenny. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, you're so Well, in this segment, we pretend that he's still alive. (laughs) Okay, what would an alive Kenny drink? (laughs) (laughs) Hmm, I don't know. Hmm. I think he would mix them together. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually just going to say, I think he would go for Sprite. (laughs) Yes, you are correct, Naya. He would drink Sprite. That is a candy drink. Yeah, like he would be like, no to this gender binary. I would drink Sprite (laughs) because I feel like he would be the kind of guy that has like one drink that he's really into. And he would pick, like, the underdog drink. And that's, like, that would be, like, the one thing that he drinks. You are correct. I think this is the perfect answer. Thank you. Oh, you were frowning, so I thought you were disagreeing. Oh, no, I was just (laughs) thinking very hard. (laughs) (laughs) We talk about important things on this podcast that... Indeed, indeed. ...require much thought and... Indeed. Do we want to Last share? week we talked about how professional sports are uh, human rights human violation. Rights violation. <laughs> and this week we talk about how Sprite is the underdog of fizzy drinks. Yeah, and <laughs> also the non-binary. No, Sprite is the third third gender of fizzy <laughs> <laughs> drinks. Thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode of Queering Eve. We will record another one. We release new episodes every Tuesday evening. Have a nice week and remember, always check the water pressure. Supposedly no one in MI6 is thinking about Villanelle anymore because (laughs) all the thinking about Villanelle was illegal. (laughs) Thinking about Villanelle is illegal! (laughs) Uh, MI6, the actual thought police. (laughs)